Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. This podcast win exists because we want you to win. And what is leverage, you ask? It's a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively as a songwriter. It's the power to act effectively as an indie artist and take the most advantage of everything you've got going for you. That's why we called it the CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. It doesn't get any better than that. That's a wordsmith thing right there. That comes from a pro, yo. And the pro is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And what I love about my good bro, Brent, is he helps songwriters like you Turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, how to do business like a pro, and then he actually connects you with the freaking pros. Are you kidding me? Like he just leads you right to the water, gets a glass down in, and gives you something to drink. You can find Brent easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound and they help you grow your audience so you can become the artist that everybody loves and so you can get paid. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production, singular, and no S, and there is no S, and we all know why. There's no S because there's no other Johnny D. <laughs> Hey, brother. How are you, man? Hey, man, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm uh, I'm stoked after our last interview and ready to go and hop on this one. That was a fun one. Yes. Hop so, on this episode. Yep. What are we going to talk about today? You're, you're driving. Yeah, I am driving. I'll try to keep us between the ditches. Uh, what I want to talk about this time, and, and really kind of dovetails uh, nicely with our interview with Wilkes from last time, is that artists are brands. Artists have a voice. They have, no pun intended, they have, you know, what they do. And, you know, and so we're going to talk about that today, just basically being brand conscious as a songwriter. So, you know, artists and their teams often think of themselves as brands, like like a can of Coke or a Ford pickup truck, right? Well, well hey, wait, before, we, before we dig into that a little right. bit, I just wanted to sort of give everybody a taste of what we're talking about. Real quick, if you like this podcast, if it's valuable to you, share it. Share it on your social media. Let other people know about it. It's going to make you look cool, and we're going to help other people. Um, leave a rating and review. Take 20 seconds and do that on iTunes. It makes us look legit. And, you know, people who are kind of stumbling across us for the first time are going to look at that, read some of those reviews and realize that this is real and they should give it a shot. And then hopefully they're going to feel the same way you do about the content inside. If you haven't already done it, join the Climb community. Go to Facebook, search for the Climb community, ask to be let in. We let everybody in and we'll roadhouse you out. If you're not good boys and girls, we're not afraid to do that either. Um, so, uh, join the climb community and subscribe, subscribe to the podcast that automatically gets shows up magically in your, uh, in your phone every single Tuesday. And you can, uh, listen to us on the way into work, get your, get your weekly dose of, uh, of good information. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Brent, I mean, we're excited to talk about the, the, the first ever climb conference. Tell, tell, tell everybody a little bit about that. That's right. The weekend of May 5th, we're going to be in Utah. And we're going to be at the Climb Conference with, uh, it's going to be myself and Johnny and Chris Oglesby from BMG Music and Shelby Kennedy from TuneCore. And they're a digital distributor. If you're an indie artist, you need to know who TuneCore is and you're going to learn all about them if you come out to the Climb Conference. Uh, 
we've got some good rates going on. It's well worth the investment to come on out there. And you can find out everything you need to know and get registered at theclimbconference.com. Theclimbconference.com. Get all the info. And literally, we'll see you at the top because it's kind of up in the elevation there. So oh, that's awesome. And I'll tell you what, between the digital guy with uh, Shelby Kennedy, between mm-hmm. the publishing guy with Chris Oglesby, mm-hmm. between the songwriter and you and the marketer and me, I think we got all your questions covered. Like bring your questions and we'll, exactly. get, to the, we'll get to the bottom of it. <laughs> that's all right. We're going to hit all that stuff. So hopefully it's going to be super helpful for everybody. It's going to be a good time. And what better place to spend Cinco de Mayo than Utah? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about brands. <laughs> That's right. All right. So the fact is, um, whether you're aware of it or not, most successful artists think of themselves as a brand and their teams think of them as a brand, even if they don't quite put it in those terms. So we're going to talk about why it matters to both songwriters and aspiring artists to be brand conscious. And I'm not talking about, you know, Prada. I'm not talking about Nike. I'm talking about, you know, the, the band as a brand. So, and this is a part of songwriting I didn't know I was signing up for the business side, the strategic side of things. Sure. You know, I have my, I have my MBA, but I really just wanted to move here, write my songs and have them pitched by somebody to somebody and whammo cuts. But the world is how it is. It's not how I wish it were. So now I have to think about artists as brands and try to act accordingly. Okay. So an artist is a brand and they and their team and their teams like the label, the promotion staff, management, publicist, all that stuff. They work really hard to position their brand or their artist into a certain place in the market. Like we do music like this for people like these because we are an artist like this. So in business terms, they want to increase their market share, the increase of market share on radio and they want to increase the market share of our wallets. All right, so everything supports the brand image. We're talking album artwork, the songs, the photos, the videos, all that kind of stuff, which is like branding, what they look like, what they wear, how they talk. All this stuff goes into building that brand image, just like it does for Nike, for Coke, for Victoria's Secret, for Mountain Dew, whatever. Red Bull, they have a brand, and they're looking for songs that fit their brand. That makes sense, Johnny. Am I getting to uh, marketing and not for you? I'm sure. Too business you're, on that. This is like this is like music porn for me. Like I, I love this. This is exactly what I want to talk about. I mean, <clears throat> we we touched a little bit on that from the songwriter spe- uh, space specifically. Say mm-hmm. that five times fast. <laughs> um, when we talked about the the record that I cut with Colin Ray that I produced mm-hmm. and co-produced with Colin Ray. So here's a situation where we had a last minute, you know, cattle call. We needed outside cuts. It happened at the last minute. And we said who the artist was in the, in the tip sheet. And Colin Ray has a very specific brand. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a country artist, 8 million records sold. He's a 90s star. Um, mm-hmm. So he's, he's a legacy artist at this point. But he's never sung <clears throat> about cheating. Um, he's never sung about um, uh, drinking, boozing, you know, a hard lifestyle. That's never been his brand. There's some artists that have that brand. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's a regular thing that you hear in country music. But that's not his. And I was astounded at the amount of songs that we got when they knew who the singer was that were completely 
uh, out of the brand. So just, you know, when we, like, this is a past episode, like uh, 10, what was it? 10 worst song demo mistakes. You can go back and revisit the details on that. <clears throat> but from, from a producer perspective, it's wasting my time. Like I don't, this could be the best cheating song in the world. This guy's never going to sing that because that's not his deal. <laughs> it's not his lane. Were, were there a lot of pickup trucks and tailgates and bonfires? Probably. Oh my gosh. Everything, everything like that. Yeah. And so it was very un, you know, we, what you could tell who the pros were. I'll tell you right there. Mm-hmm. How about that? Like from, from the producer's perspective, you could, you're like, this guy listened, read, did this homework on the artist and I have songs that are viable for this artist that um, can be put in this pile over here of things that we're going to consider. And instead of this pile over here, these people don't know what they're doing and just right. sent me everything that they have. Right? So you aren't in your experience, you aren't necessarily looking for just great songs. You were looking for great songs that fit the artist. Had to, right. Had to do that. So and a great right, song that didn't fit the artist was wasting your time. Exactly. And, and so, you know, to, to, to this is an artist too that has a gift like a big vocal gift like oh yeah is one of the by bar none the greatest singers ever to grace the the, the stage in country music he is a singer with a capital a right yeah he yeah and yeah and, and 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 i mean yeah yeah i mean literally when we had him in the studio we did like four takes on vocals and you're like Yep, that's it. That's all we need. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm more than one now. Like, boy, like that yeah. just happened. You know, four passes for 12 minutes, right? 15, yeah. 20 minutes. You're like, really? <laughs> oh, he's good. Yeah. Like, that's how good he is. But, you know, so the brand also comes in the musicality of it, right? Like what mm-hmm. notes you can put in and what notes you can't put in, you know, uh, Colin Ray isn't necessarily going to run a sing a song, even if lyrically it would be in the same lane as Colin Ray could do. I don't think he's going to want to sing something that um, say Kenny Chesney or Tim McGraw would sing and vice mm-hmm. versa. Right. Right. Like, like he's going to want to be able to stretch out a little bit and let those horses run. Cause that's mm-hmm. his thing. Like, right. And, and these other incredible iconic artists like Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney have different lanes. And so uh, you, I think I like this episode because you need to be in, intentional about that from a songwriter's space as to who and where you're going to put it. Mm-hmm. And then also um, from an artist space, you need to be thinking about, what your brand is. Cause if you don't know, then you don't know. Like Biggie Small said, he was a little bit more colorful with the language, but <laughs> uh, you know, if you don't know, you don't know. And then guess what? The industry knows that you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you think you're ready to go, but they're like, you don't even know what you're doing yet. Like you don't even have the brand together. You know, you got to be thinking about that. Yeah. So, uh, to dovetail off that, it's funny. It reminded me of a pitch meeting I had with a label in town. And so I'll go in and, and you know, I'll know who's looking at the label and I'll go and meet with this A&R person. I'm playing some songs and I'm like, hey, this song is for artists, blah, blah, blah. And so I'll play her this song that I picked out for this artist. She's like, you know, lyrically, man, this is like the topic he would sing. This is right on target, but I don't think he can sing it. <laughs> okay, yep. next song. Yep. So it was like... <laughs> The theme well, was and like, everything was right, but the range wasn't right. This that was like, not rangy, and it was a little more rangy than he could do. She's like, I, I mean, it's right up his alley, but he can't sing it. I was like, yeah, all right, well, on. 50% there is none of the way there. <laughs> and it's like Anthony Oreo's got the same stories, right, with him. He's like, these are great country songs. He's like, thanks, but who's going to sing them, man? And he's like, like, I will. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I can sing them. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, but they can't, you know, so you yeah. got to be. You got to be one. One other thing too, when it comes to branding, just another thing I thought of last second was I've actually had um, uh, song demos where 
there is, you know, most song demos we're doing, we're trying to just cast the wide net as we can, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're trying to make sure we can appeal to, his, you know, a pop country, a, you know, not so pop country. Like if there's ways that we can fit in with all these different brands, we're trying to be as homogenous as we can to let that artist do their thing and, and appeal to as many people as possible. But sometimes we'll get a song where it's very, very brand centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, let's say it's a, this is a perfect Blake Shelton song, right? Mm-hmm. So we know we're going to pitch it to Blake or that yeah. we know that the, the, the writer is going to get the song plugger to pitch it to Blake. We're so intentional about the brand that I've literally had my pro singers who I have a stable of pro singers who come in and sing on the demos. Uh, they'll key it differently. Oh, it's for Blake. Okay. So I'm going to key it down like a little out of the pro singer demo singers comfort zone, mm-hmm. not in their sweet spot, but I'm going to go down cause Blake's a little lower cause it's mm-hmm. going to resonate with him more and his brand more. And that's going to give this song a better shot of getting that cut. Yeah. That's right? good stuff. That's true. That stuff happens. You're not just making that up. So, mm-hmm. um, so going back to the artists are looking for songs that fit their brand. So whether you're writing for or with a certain artist, it's important for you to understand their brand. So you ask yourself, who is their audience? Who do they speak to? What message do they send to their fans? How do they deliver that message? How do they, how does the artist want to be perceived? So this goes deeper than just, Oh, they're traditional country or, Oh, they're pop country. So uh, if you can write a song that really fits an artist's brand, you have a great opportunity. So I think about that song, Real Good Man for Tim McGraw. I mean, that's not a new song by any means, but I think it's one that just for me just is such a great example of this. It's such a great song for Tim. Musically, it fits him well. It has a great feel and Tim can sing it, you know? So lyrically, Real Good Man is totally Tim McGraw's persona. He's a real bad boy, but he's a real good man. I mean, just if you were to sum Tim up and his songs and stuff, especially that era when he cut that song, it's like, yeah, he's a, he's a bad boy, but he's a good man. And then that really works for a lot of country artists, too. I think people were fighting over it. But uh, the artist, for example, is Coke, Coca-Cola. Their songs are like Coke Classic, Cherry Coke, Coke Zero, Diet Coke, etc. They want songs that both reinforce and expand their brand. Expand their brand. We should hang on to that phrase. Yeah, they, that's brilliant. It's a good I'm phrase. Uh, then they want, uh, so they got cherry Coke and all this stuff. Maybe what they're looking for song wise is cherry vanilla Coke or raspberry Coke or something like that. And your song needs to fit on the same shelf with their current songs. They, it's got to fit on the shelf with Coke classic, cherry Coke, raspberry vanilla, purple Coke, whatever. Your song may be the best $200 bottle of wine that can be found, but it doesn't matter. The artist is like Coca-Cola. They don't do wine. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Just like with the Colin Ray thing, you weren't looking for the best song, the most incredible song. You're looking for the best songs that fit him. You're looking for yeah. the best bottle of Coke. You are not looking for the best bottle of wine. Best bottle of wine doesn't matter. Thousand no. dollar bottle of wine doesn't matter. It's we don't do wine. They can't fit on that shelf. You can't sell it on Sundays. So, uh, so the artist is Coke. So you want you want to think about that. Another another way of looking at it is Taco Bell doesn't sell hamburgers. All right. right. And so musically, some artists just don't do what they don't do. So my buddy, Tim Meitzen, he told me one time, this was years ago, we were dr- doing the drive-thru at, McDonald's, at uh, Taco Bell. He said, you know, they only have like about three ingredients. They just put them in different shapes. Yeah. 
<laughs> in the same kind of crappy cheese they squeeze it's out of whatever. It's the same stuff. It's just like whatever but now, that is they put on it. Yeah, you like the hard taco, you like the soft taco, let's put them together. Boom, double decker. <laughs> yeah. It's like the same stuff you already had on hand. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you, right? We're going to call it this, a chalupa. It's a, a chalupa. So that's how a lot of artists are. They keep giving you the same basic ingredients, but they put a little spin on them. They give them different shapes. They keep serving it up a little different way, but it's the same basic ingredients that go into their, their menu, right? So, so when they do add something new like a Dorito as a taco shell, it still makes sense for their brand. It may be a spin on it. It may expand the brand a little bit, but it, it spits on that same shelf, going back to the Coke analogy. For, here's an example of uh, Luke Bryan. He's married. He's got kids. He has family, but you wouldn't really know it from listening to his music. His music presents him more as a spring-breaking, tailgating, good old party boy who loves the ladies. And I believe, like, on his first record, there's one song where he had a wife and kids. But that was on his first record before he really found his, his image and his voice and his brand. And it wasn't sort of solidified. Yeah. Right. Since he found his image, he's really stuck to it. And who can blame him, right? It's working awesome. It's working out for him. Now, Six number one. I know. With that, well, the last record. Yeah. With that being said, now you can see on a few of Luke's more recent singles that he's growing up a little bit. His songs like Fast and Most People Are Good, they're moving him in a more mature direction. So you want to be aware of that. Just because it's what an artist did three albums ago doesn't mean it's what they're doing now or what they're going to do for their next record so there is growth and and the brands do change over time so you want to be aware of that and you don't want to pitch someone something they did on their first record and they're on their eighth record like i don't have they listened to any of my stuff in the past decade because that's not brand appropriate anymore either so that's something to think about but what it really comes down to it's not about who you think the uh, what you think the artist should sing or who the artist should be or what you think they where you think they should go as an artist Unless you're in the circle of influence for that artist, it doesn't really matter what you want or what you think. Sorry. It matters where they want to go as an artist, what they want to sing as an artist, what their brand is, where they want to evolve to. It doesn't matter what we want. I mean, I, you know, I've had people send me stuff and, you know, you hear stuff like, oh, this would be great for so-and-so. They should go here. Well, they should do this thing. Well, it's not on brand. It, you don't get a vote. Yeah. You know, you may think Blake Shelton would sound great taking this left turn into this kind of song or right turn to that kind of, but unless you're one of the decision makers, it doesn't matter what you want. You need to feed him what he does want. So he's not, he's not calling me up asking for advice on, you know, artistic choices. He's not calling you up either. You need to get on the train that's already moving. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, so there's two ways to process this, this information that we're giving out right now. There, there's two angles that you're going to approach it from. One is you're a songwriter and you're trying to get more cuts as a songwriter. And so you need to be cognizant of the brand of the artist and really be intentional about it. The other angle is that you're an artist and a songwriter and you write for yourself and you're trying to find your way into deciding that brand. I want to touch on that just a little bit with some stuff outside of the music industry. Okay. But this is how important this is. And this is, this is real. You have to be intentional about this. You have to put some mind power, some brain drain into this to really think it through so that you are, if you want to play at the pro level. Okay. Um, 
you talked about Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Coca-Cola as a corporation is literally about half the size of Pepsi. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I had no idea. And, but their stock in Coca-Cola is worth twice as much as Pepsi. Hmm. Because Coke does one thing and they do it really, really, really well. They make soft drinks. Mm -hmm. Pepsi is into restaurants. They own Taco Bell. They own Mm -hmm. Pizza Hut. They own KFC. They're into clothing. They got, they got their hands. They're in so many different pies that there's no one way for, and you think, I mean, they're still a big company. They still have stock. They're still publicly traded. But Coca-Cola's kicking their butt six ways from Sunday, and they're half the size because they're focused on one brand and doing one thing, okay? That's how important brand is. It's because the brand of Pepsi is so diffused across so many things <clears throat> that it's, it's hard to – it gets confusing for the people trying to run the company. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a CEO that's a genius in soft drinks, but what do you know about the clothing industry or the restaurant industry? You know, like you're not an expert in that. So, but now you've got to make decisions on that mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily going to be the right decisions, right? Um, Toyota and Lexus. Let's talk about that for a second. <clears throat> Lexus, when Toyota first came out with Lexus, everybody knows that Lexus is made by Toyota. And it would be very easy for Toyota just to sell the way their brands, the way Chevy and Ford does, right? Like you can get a, a Chevy and a Pontiac and a Buick and all the brand names that are under the Chevy GM umbrella, you can get that at any typical dealership, mm-hmm. right? All in the same lot. They're very, it's sterile, right? <laughs> but Lexus, when, they came, when Toyota came out with Lexus, they spent a veritable fortune, billions of dollars buying brand new land, building brand new buildings so that the only thing sold on a Lexus car lot was a Lexus. You're not going to find a brand new Lexus in a brand new Toyota lot. You won't. You might find a used Lexus on a brand new Toyota lot that was, that was uh, traded in, but you're not going to find a new one because they wanted to keep the brand separate. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Toyota makes Lexus and I got a Toyota, but it ain't no Lexus. As long as in the mind of the consumer, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's how they're going to behave. And the reason they did that was uh, it's called brand extension, right? So if you look at like Budweiser, Budweiser thought they were being real smart. They had Budweiser when they first came out and then they came up with Bud Light and they thought this is genius. We just created another product. We're going to sell twice the amount of products now. <laughs> Guess what? They didn't. They bifurcated their audience. They still sold the same amount of beer. It's only half of them drank regular Budweiser and the other half drank Bud Light. Mm -hmm. And then they've tried to go with like Bud Lime and all these different things. And every time they do that, they don't sell any more beer. They just divide it up into smaller niches. Right. So if you've noticed, like what's real hot right now in the beer market? I have no idea. It's the... um, it's hey, the, beer should be cold. It shouldn't be anything. Yeah, they do hot beer now? Oh. <laughs> That's over in Europe. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, no, but they have, it's the, it's the little local brands, right? The, the, um, I oh, can't like microbreweries. The microbreweries. Kind of That's okay, it, yeah. So Budweiser owns a boatload of different microbreweries, and they don't put Budweiser on a name. They I call like it that, that other name. Mm-hmm. And they own it. And guess what? They're selling more beer when they do that. So a couple of things. When you're trying to find your brand, don't try to be somebody else's brand or some extension mm-hmm. of somebody else's brand. Be your own brand. But know that there's a brand. Try to figure out what it is. And, 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 and the only way, by the way, that you're going to do that is just work. You've got to write yeah. songs. You've got to perform. And, and, and that's how you learn to recognize it right yeah i think a couple examples of that i think when did kenny chesney really blow up like he was having number ones but he was kind of a i used to call him uh tim mcgraw used to look at kenny and go call him kenny me (laughs) like dr evil instead of Uh kenny me uh because he was kind of like a a little tim mcgraw for a little for a minute there but then when he found the beach and he got some sand yep. between his toes and he started bringing that in and doing like the nostalgia and beach stuff really found his lane that wasn't occupied in country, kind of the country Jimmy Buffett thing blew yep. up mega star. He found his lane and he killed it. And he, you know, he has a great song sense. He works his butt off, but when he found his thing that you could like Kenny, that guy, he's the country Buffett or whatever. Boom. Yep. Huge. Yeah. And then he put the work in behind it to make it happen. It wasn't just that he had a good gimmick or something, but um, another example of something, maybe on the other side of it, you remember Chris Gaines? Yeah. That name ring a bell? Yeah. So Garth Brooks, like top selling solo act ever. I'm mean, just crazy, right? 800 pound gorilla country music. So at one point there was supposed to be a movie called the lamb. I'm a, I'm a big old Garth nut. So I'm, I was keeping up with all the story, but anyway, there's a movie supposed to come out called the lamb. He was going to portray a fictional singer named Chris Gaines and to set it up, before the record, the movie came out, they released Chris Gaines' greatest hits. So it's like Garth in tights with a wig on, doing pop rock music. Trying to look like a rocker, yeah. Looking like a rocker. This is his, his you know, made-up greatest hits record covering, you know, a decade or two or whatever music. They were supposed to tie into the movie, and then the movie would have an album with it and this whole big, you know, cool marketing thing. Movie never happened, so Garth ends up releasing this record as Chris Gaines' everybody's confused. They're like, what is he off his rocker? Either, oh my goodness. He's wearing tights. Yeah. And you Spanx. Know. Cause he looks a lot thinner. As and Chris Spanx. King. Right. <laughs> Chris. Yeah. Um, Chris Spanx. <laughs> Chris lost. I don't know, but yeah. So everybody was confused. Now, granted, he still sold 3 million records, but for him, that was not even half of what he was normally selling. Cause people yeah. were confused. The brand was, we didn't understand the story. I still bought it. And there's actually some really good music on there. 
but it was yeah. totally off brand for him and really threw a kink in a lot of people's. They didn't know what was going on. They were very confused by it. So you got yeah, be- another example of that is uh, Tracy Lawrence. Like, you know, he's kind of been, not all his songs are like that, but his brand's kind of like that triple meter waltz, country waltz kind of a mm-hmm. thing. That's been his sort of brand. That's been his lane and he can slay that. And then uh, I see it, it now. <clears throat> he did a record where he didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Nobody bought it. Everybody's like, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not my guy, you know? So I, I wanted to say this cause I, I, I keep running into, especially like, you know, amateur songwriters and amateur artists who are early on in their journey. And they're like, well, I really like rock and I love country and I love mm. salsa and I love mm. uh, raga and I love EDM. And so uh, my dream is to make this record and, and have each one of these on there. And mm. that's going to be awesome. And I'm just like, I, I quote, uh, I quote a, a line from the movie, uh, sweet home, Alabama. Mm-hmm. You, you can't ride two horses. One ass sugar bee. <laughs> 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 you know, and, and, and certainly you can't ride five, right? So you've right, got to yeah. pick one. Like, look at what John Mayer did with his brand. Like, he he chose the pop route. Mm-hmm. He's a huge blues fan, mm-hmm. okay? But he went and did a bunch of pop records first, created his huge brand. Then he did the John Mayer trio. Mm-hmm. And that was just a project that didn't have to sell for him. Right. Right, because that wasn't, in, it wasn't going to infringe on the John Mayer brand. This is a blues thing, a different thing over here. And that, that's a blues record that's, that went platinum. Mm-hmm. When was the last time that happened? Like yeah. that was a big deal because he set it up the right way mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to, to your point, when you're talking about how people get confused, like, are you a rock guy, man? Are you an EDM guy? Are you a rock guy? Are you a country? Like, what are mm-hmm. you? I can't tell from listening to this record. It's never going to sell like that. It's got to be something for people to latch on to. You're not going to get into the mind of the consumer. Yeah. And like Chesney, you know, he, blown up country would have some of that beach flavor. And then he came out with the old blue chair record, which is all like laid back beachy type songs. I don't think they worked a single to radio. He's come out with a couple of those albums that are just kind of extra albums. Yeah. I love them. Where he does whatever he wants and it's not necessarily got to be brands. Like he can still stretch out as an artist. He's not worried about going, I need a big country hit for country radio. Yeah, that's right. I can just, I can just get vibe record for the beach and his, a lot of his hardcore fans are going to buy it and love it, and, but he's not worried because he's, he's set. But he Think keeps coming back to his brand, though. He keeps coming back to something for radio. Yeah, he, so he, he, he launches off in there just so he doesn't get creatively stifled or bored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm going to do this thing over here. This is the guy. I get to do whatever I want, and nobody's, no expectations, right? It's still mm-hmm. going to sell well, but it's, it's, like you said, it's not a big country hit. I don't have to worry about that and play this game. I can do a different game. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to brands, think about this. Just about everybody listening to this podcast has at least one other set of friends. They got a set of friends that they would never mix with another set of friends, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, like, they're all good people, but they're just not going to kind of roll together. You know, it's right, not going to yeah. work together. So that's kind of your different brand. I mean, can you imagine trying to go to a concert that was filled with people who love like raga music, EDM music, rock and roll, country, and pop? I mean, it's like, what is that? It would be there would be riots. Like, <laughs> yeah. like people aren't going to get along. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, there's going to be some tension. And, and so it, it, just because it would be so confusing, like people wouldn't know what to do. So the, the, the branding is you've got to be aware of it. And the better that you are at it, the, the, the more you're going to cut through the clutter with a pure message and get inside the mind of the consumer. So if you're feeling frustrated with cutting through that is why this is part of the reason. Mm-hmm. I have a couple stories, uh, a branding win and a branding loss for me as a songwriter. 
Which one do you want to hear first? You want to either have a happy story or the one where bad I news first. Where bad I news first. Okay. Bad news first. Okay. Well, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And so this is one where I learned. So the the uh, bad one. Okay. I ran into a branding issue with Lady Annabellum. Okay. So back before, I think I may have told this story before on here, but uh, back before Lady A existed, I wrote a song with Hillary Scott, who's the female lead of the group, and Casey Kessel and John Armstrong. It's called A Woman Scorn. So it's, it's fun, it's rock, and it's fairly aggressive. And it's a song that really shows off Hillary's vocals well. So I like that song. <laughs> I like that song. Uh, and so this is before Lady A. So later when she and Charles and Dave formed Lady Antebellum, they started playing our song at all their shows. You can find it on YouTube. So, and they even cut it for their debut album. Score, right? Wrong. <laughs> when it came time to decide the last couple songs that would not make the record, Woman Scorned was reduced to a bonus track. Now, that was, like, for me, that was disappointment with, like, zeros on the end of it because I knew they were going to be huge. But after hearing their debut record, I understood why A Woman Scorn didn't make the record. It didn't fit their brand. It was too aggressive. And even though the song had served them well and helped them get their deal and, and their shows, a good moment for Hillary and their shows and stuff, it didn't fit really the image they were going for. It didn't fit the brand. It was too aggressive for their brand. I couldn't argue with that. You know, once you hear that, you're like, all right, I can... I can see that. It's, that's not what they do. I didn't write it for right. them to do. I wrote it for Hillary because Lady A didn't exist yet. But so that was one where, you know, it was a good example of going, okay, it's not really their lane. It's not quite their brand. Okay. It's a good learning moment for that. So, well, then I cut it with an artist and we got that on Canadian radio. So there you go. And it did work for her. So there you go. <laughs> that's right. Uh-huh. Tanya Marie Harris. That's right. There you go. Thank you, Tanya. And thank you, Johnny. Um, <laughs> So you want to hear the one where I, the cut happened because yes. of branding? All right. So uh, I've written a bunch of songs with Ruthie Collins. She is on Curb Records. And I had this title sitting around, and I wasn't sure what to do with it, but the title is Vintage. And so I was like, oh, this would be perfect for, for Ruthie because she is all into the vintage clothing, vintage furniture, DIY, all that stuff. I mean, her Twitter, Twitter description it says, where vintage meets country. I'm like, okay. That's I should, perfect. Yeah. Hey, I have this title. And she's like, oh, I love that. And, and we worked to, to make it where it fit her brand, where, of course, the title is spot on. And then we worked to actually fill out the song in a way that really fits her as an artist and she can sing it and it makes sense and speaks to things that she's also passionate about. So it, it really supports her brand. So, like, how can that not get on a record? And it made her self-titled debut for uh, debut EP for Curb Records. So you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and some other places. And, um, you know, I mean, talking about fitting her brand, she has a, like a DIY show on A&E called Homemade. Homemade. So, she, you know, she's doing that DIY projects and talking about vintage stuff, and it's still all over her social media and stuff, that, that vintage type of thing. So, heck, I brought her a title. It was right smack in the middle of her wheelhouse. We ended up getting a cut on it and a release on it. So you see where one didn't, the Lady A didn't quite fit the brand, didn't make the record. The Ruthie Collins song, Vintage, fit the brand, made her EP and it's out there, you know, where people can buy 5,000 copies of it if they so choose. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. And do that because my family's growing. Because yeah. I got a lot of kids. <laughs> <sighs> the Baxter Brigade. Oh, anyway, wow. uh, so both the lyric and the melody have to work for the arts, both of them. So, um, 
you know, and I've talked mainly about like lyrical content, but the music has to fit the artist's brand too. Like Miranda Lambert isn't likely to cut a song that sounds like Shania Twain, no matter how well the lyric fits her. So you can right. ask yourself, you know, is this song the right kind of pop or is it the right shade of country? And uh, like I mentioned with Luke Bryan, artists change over time. They aren't locked in one thing forever. Lone Star was one thing before Amazed and they were another thing after Amazed. Toby Keith was one thing before How Do You Like Me Now? And he was another thing after. Kenny was one thing before the beach. He's one thing after the beach. So don't lock the brand in your mind with Superglue. Make sure to look for the shifts that are inevitable. Like Jake Owen, you know, he's had a shift to more beachy stuff as well. Other people, you know, go more pop, more country, different kind of ways. Or they just more mature like we talked about with Luke. You know, going from tailgates to most people are good and fast in life. So you just want to be aware of that kind of stuff as well. Um, I don't know if we're winding this down, but I want to – I just want to impress this is a really important concept for songwriters. If you want cuts as an artist or as a writer, you got to pay attention to brand because other people are people that make decisions on whether or not to record your song. They are brand conscious. And so you can just throw darts blindfolded and hope you get a cut. But how much better is it going to be if you actually aim? Be a student of the game. Exactly, which might mean you write a song from the very beginning in a different way, or when you're deciding what to pitch, you decide on a different song knowing about branding because you are brand conscious. And, and also, you know, if you want to dive more deeply into this, into writing for an artist's brand, if you want to write cuttable songs, have a cool opportunity. You know I have right. an opportunity. I love right. your opportunities. All right. Every Monday in April, I'm hosting an exclusive series of live online workshops called the C4 Experience. In this five-week event, I'll reveal how to give artists what they need, how to give radio what it wants, and how to give fans what they like. Now, I'm only accepting 10 songwriters into this online class because it's highly interactive, and I want to spend focused time with each writer over the course of our, like, 10 hours we'll have together. So, it's only 10 writers. It's already on sale, so there aren't 10 spots left. And I only host this twice a year. So the next one's coming up in August. So you don't want to miss out. To get all the details, you just go to giftfrombrent.com. Download the free ebook, Think Like a Pro Songwriter. Not only do you get a good, valuable ebook with a lot of insights in it, puts you on the Songwriting Pro Insiders list. And so you get all the details about how to join the C4 experience. The deadline to join us is at the end of the month. So at the end of, uh, what is it, March? At the end of March. So if you wait till the 1st of April, it's going to be too late. And you won't be able to join us. And I hate for you to miss out. So giftfrombrent.com. You can check it out and get all the details on the C4 experience. You know what? One of the reasons I call it the C4 experience. What's that? Because it'll help you blow up as a songwriter. Boom. 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 <laughs> boom. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> That's all I got, Johnny. I love that. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Uh, once again, share this. If you like it, somebody else is going to like it too. You know who that is. <laughs> Make sure they know about it. Leave a rating and review. It takes 20 seconds, but it adds legitimacy to us, people that are just trying to figure out whether or not we're cool or not. They're going to listen to what you say and what you think, and they're going to make a decision that way. Uh, If you haven't done it already, please join the Climb community. We'd love to have you there. Go to Facebook, join the Climb community, ask to be let in. We let everybody in, and we will roadhouse you out if you're bad boys and girls trying to spam Mm -hmm. the, the holy crap out of everybody 
Um, and uh, <laughs> lastly, subscribe. Uh, get that podcast every Tuesday and, and now every Friday with the pullout episodes. We've got little mini-sodes that we pop out with Brent's um, song title challenge and with the new Expand Your, Expand Your Brand series, which are just quick little five to ten minute blurbs on, on little tricks and strategies we do on social media to help you get ahead, help you be better. And uh, the Climb Conference is, uh, mm-hmm. what's that link again? It's the first ever Climb Conference. It's uh, Cinco de Mayo in mm-hmm. Utah. Right. Theclimbconference.com. Theclimbconference.com. Go to that, sign up. As We're going to have uh, Brent, myself, Chris, Chris Oglesby from uh, BMG Music, and uh, Shelby Kennedy, who's running the whole Tune Corps out here in Nashville. Everything that you could possibly have about questions regarding anything in the music business. I think we've got a really good panel there to answer every single one of them and to, and to get you going there. So, hey, this podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.